So it's pretty much a stream of consciousness. I'm going to talk to you about User's Guide to Reality and I'm going to talk to you about the inspiration and the thoughts that went into making it into a production. So first of all, I'm going to tell you about it from the point of view of the playwright. So this was a play that was written with a group of students. So they had their input and their voice. And that was really important to me. I wanted to tell a story that came from the voice of the students. And the students are 13 year old drama students and I can't write that for them because I'm a 50 year old drama teacher. So what I did is I started to give them some provocations because we didn't know where the story would go or even if there was a story. So the first thing I gave them was an article about phone notifications. I'd seen it, it was a picture. And it was a teacher in America who had an hour long period. And what they did is they had the students have their phones on sound. And whenever they got a phone notification, they did a tally mark on the board. You can still see this, it's on Twitter. And um, they had about like over 500 text message notifications and almost 200 Snapchat notifications. And I talked about it and I said that this was really surprising to me. And they said, Miss, why are you surprised? Because it's our reality. And that's something that really focused on me. They said, it's our reality. And when I wanted it to connect to their voice, I thought, this is what we've got to be doing a play about. And the play itself is now called User's Guide to Reality. And it came from that very first period. So that article went straight into a piece. And you can see it, it's the math class piece where the teacher's talking and then they start to get lots and lots of notifications. So that came from something that was really, really real. Now, the problem that I had in writing this play is I have two year nine drama classes and I could have chosen to do two different plays, but sometimes I find that that really creates the idea of um, a fight between the two classes and competition and I didn't want that. So I decided I was going to work them together. So using the same provocation, we were going to come up with a play which we called a vignette play. So that's the idea of lots of different scenes connected, but not with a plot line. And you'll see that the vignette play, um, it does have relationships, it does have repeating characters, and it does have repeating scenes in different ways. And that's really important to give it a cohesive flow because otherwise it can be quite disjoint. So there are similar things that work through. So you'll see the vignette play has five repetitions of the ring ring scene with the old fashioned telephone ringing. You see that there is repetitions of the love scene with gay and hetero. You'll see that there is repetitions of characters. So for the boy who plays Chad, the character whose phone rings like Chad, you're so hot. He comes in at the end as well with his phone ringing. So there is things that go through as a through line, which makes it easier for the audience to connect to it. But I guess what we wanted to show is their reality in regards to um, phones and internet and connectivity. But I didn't want um, to have the it's all good or it's all bad. I, I wanted to be more balanced and I wanted it to be funny and I wanted it to show some of the cool stuff that my kids can do in the class. Um, and I also wanted to challenge them. So not only did I want them to write their own scenes, but I also wanted to see if I could find some pilfered scenes from other plays. So it kind of gave us a skeleton to work with. So you'll see if you follow the script that there are some pilfered scenes. For example, the breakup is a scene that was written by somebody else 
or the Ace Girl scenes with Have Good Day is written by somebody else, um, or the outside scene. But a lot of the other scenes, especially the ones with more physical theatre and more movement, it, have been written entirely by the classes. Um, I think that that made a very nice connection of dialogue and physicality and flashy showingness. I think that the written scenes were really good, but I think the scenes that we worked on as classes really had the voice of New Zealand and 13-year-old New Zealanders. And you'll see that they have the choice of words and ideas and um, things which are in their culture and in their world at this present point in time. And for me, that, that was super duper important. The play itself, when we worked it and put it all together, then the students chose how it would work. And they chose structuring the pieces um, from between different classes. And they chose to try and counterpoint them. So you'll find that there are really busy scenes with lots of characters in, and then smaller scenes with less characters in them. Um, and they tried to work out a flow of how the whole performance would work. The repetition all the way through, we talked about the importance of it creating some kind of message or intention. And the intention is to show that the internet isn't all that bad or phones aren't all that bad, but also to lightheartedly play with the idea of um, what older people think about them and good experiences with phones and bad experiences with phones. I did give the students a challenge of going and interviewing their friends and their families because I wanted some verbatim in it as well. I wanted their own voice. And so the verbatim scene is right at the end and that's quite a powerful scene. And that is exactly as they interviewed their friends and families. And you'll see that there is quite a measured response in regards to what people think about um, social media and the internet. And some of them are really hard hitting I um there's a scenes about this one that someone talked about, you know, looking at other people's photos makes me feel like I don't measure up. And there's that really hard hitting one about the filter when the student says, you know, filters, everyone uses them, don't they? There's this one with a smiley face all over it and different colours and it's on Snapchat and it makes my face look skinnier and my nose, it makes me look prettier and I like it. And some of those things are exceptionally poignant. And they are absolutely from the heart of real students and real people around our community. And um, they're powerful because they're the words. I don't have any answers in this piece, but what we do is we end on an element of hope because the first scene and the last scene are repeated, except in a different way. So the first scene, a student walks into the cell tower and they lose their connection. Um, to their phones and to the internet. And in the end scene, they don't have any connection and the Chad character kicks it and it comes back on. So exactly the same structure. And then they're all on their phone until they realize there's a ball there and they decide that they're all gonna go and run and play football. So it talks about balance in life. Um, it was a very evolving piece. And I think that there is definitely a New Zealand flavour to it. There's definitely a 2021 flavour to it. There's references to phone coronavirus, And in the news scene, they talk about phone-ronavirus, but they also have all the different languages that we have in our classrooms in the news scene. So they have te reo, they have English, they have Afrikaans, they have sign language, they have Japanese, they have German, they have, have so many different languages. And that's what's in our classroom. 
And I think that's really amazing. And they have masks as well, because that references to um, keeping yourself safe and, and coronavirus. Um, they've got music that they use, which is, for example, the TikTok music, and they reference things like OnlyFans, things that I didn't know whether your 13-year-olds would, but boy, they do. Um, so we tried to make it theirs and tell a story about their place. And I hope that that's come through. And I hope that it represents that there's hopeful things in social media, but also that there's things that, oh, I've lost a loss for words, but you can figure that one out in an exam. So now we have a piece of theatre that was written and it's got 27 scenes. And the scenes are all, well, no, they're not all different because there's lots of repetitions of scenes, but the scenes themselves have lots of different locations. So putting on the designer's hat, I had to create a set that was evocative of user's guide to reality and internet and connectivity, whilst also giving a lot of stage space that was flexible to be the outside um, on a bushwalk that was able to be inside a therapist's office, that was able to be a math classroom, that was able to be um, news rooms, that was able to be all sorts of crazy random stuff. And right at the beginning, they talk about the internet stopping. So I had to be able to figure out how I could create this. So the first thing I looked at doing was the orientation of the stage. Now the constraint was I couldn't um, make it anything other than end on because of the school assemblies. So that was a given. Now my next thing, I know that I really wanted to push it forwards because of the year nines and it's their first productions and they're quite quiet in their voices. So we decided to work through pushing it as forward as possible. Now, giving levels was really important. And so I came up with the idea of creating almost like bleacher seats. I don't know if that's a word that you understand, but like thinking about um, American um, like high schools and they have those stacks of seats up on different levels. And so I was going to go with the idea of bleacher seats. And I started off with two levels. I thought that that would be high enough. And then when I was working with the students, we decided to put in a third higher level at the top. So you've got three um, completely um, beautiful levels ready made. The first level is 20 centimeters. The second level is 40 centimeters. And the final level is 60 centimeters. So it works up as a nice step as well. So it gives you a nice visual platform and a visual way of working. And that gave us different seating levels. So for example, that worked really well with the math class because I was able to give levels for the students to sit on so that they were able to be seen. We did manipulate the math scene. We did it um, facing um, straight at the audience and then we tried it facing stage right. But facing straight at the audience um, seemed a, a better idea. That gave us lots of entrances and exits as well. And I discouraged the students from walking behind the rostras and so that kept them moving forward. So that gave us lots of different spaces and levels and ideas for the students to work with. The students really wanted to put on chairs and tables, but I don't like that on the set. It's muddying, it's messy, and then you have to take it off again. And then that becomes awkward, especially in a vignette play where we're struggling with flow anyway. So they use the rostras for their tables or their chairs or their seating levels. And it works really well once they got their mind around it. Now, 
the next thing we had to do is we had to think about how we could make it showing that it was all about connectivity. And I had a bit of a think about this and decided I wanted to use a power pole, a great big power pole, which seems like a crazy idea, but it was a structure that's five meters tall and we wanted to work with it just being like a gray power pole and it's right in the middle of the set and it works all the way up to the lighting rig. Really simple, but quite a huge structure, which takes away some of the vertical space of the um, auditorium because it's nasty with vertical space. Um, and this is created to look like a power cable. It has a live cables below sign on it. And it also has the metal wrap almost um, two thirds of the way up, which is to stop the possums climbing up. So if you look around, it's a New Zealand thing. If you've never looked at it, you should actually go and see that that's what they do have. And so that again, pulls it into New Zealand, which is a great thing. Now going all the way up, I wanted to have, if we've got those, um, we've got the power cable, I wanted the power lines. And so hanging off the grid are two sets of um, power lines that work. And then it became important to me that they would actually be able to go on and go off. So we've actually got a visual indicator of when we're connected or when we're not. And you'll see that the um, script um, you might not have noticed it, but when there's a connection, the lights are on. So at the beginning, the lights are on and everyone's on their phones and a student knocks into it because they aren't looking, they're looking at their phone and the lights go off and they come on in random sections throughout the play, mainly in the love scenes because there's a connection and it might not necessarily be a connection via the internet, but there's a personal connection. So whenever there is a connection of people, and this is a real life connection now, you'll find that the lights go on. And the lights go on right at the end again, when the boy who walks in as the Chad character, he hits the section the other way, but he's not um, immersed in his phone. He's pissed off and he kicks the um, tower and then his phone starts ringing. Um, everything is um, tried to be directed in either a direct repetition or in a mirror way. So in the first scene, the girl works in from stage right. And then the final scene, the boy walks in from stage left. It's kind of this whole yin and yang and completion. And then the lights go on again. Um, it gave a really interesting look. And um, it was a cool little after effect. And when you look at the set in its entirety, it works really nicely together. There is one other little section that's a little cute little thing. When they did their Mythbusters, they wanted phones to disappear out of students' hands. And so there's a, um, a little mechanism rigged up. So when they're on phones and when there's an explosion and the lights and everything flash, there is um, the phones rise up into the rig. So they're flown away. Um, and so that's created as well. It's just a nice little, um, cute little surprise. The set's very flexible, but the power pole never moves and the rostra never moves. And so there's no lack, um, breaking of the flow with things coming in and out because there's enough movement already because there's 60 kids on stage at any one time. There's only one time that something moves onto stage and that's when a piano moves onto stage for the um, um, etiquette teacher when she plays the piano. A very simple set, but actually a really, really effective set. 
and um, one that I hope you agree looks great. So now I come to the director's vision. So we've got this play and the play, the purpose is to really be the voice of the 13 year old students and it's to show how they feel social media and internet and connectivity is viewed. And so the designer has put everything together. So now it's my job as the director to really work out how we're going to show the roles and the symbol and manipulate all the focus with the use of the technologies and how I'm going to work the different characters and the dialogue. So I'm just going to take you through a little bit of this and where my brain was at. So the first thing I really wanted to do was I, as again, I say, it's their voice. So you're going to see that the students at all times are wearing their own clothes. And I love the idea that it shows us a little bit of who they are. So they're all wearing a different form of mufti and you're going to see them being them. And I encourage them to be as authentically them as they could be in a school um, position. So I wanted to see the kids who are the goths. I wanted to see the kids who just want to spend their time in track pants. Um, and so you're going to get that it is a microcosm of who they are all being brought together, just like they are in the classroom. So in the first scene, it's directed for them all to start coming onto stage. And the lights are really, really dark. Um, so you can see the light from their phones on their faces and they're all on their phones and they've all got phones. Um, and so they're absorbed. They're not focused on anybody else. And you've got the music behind them. And the music was written by one of the year nine students, Freddie Jarman. And it's behind them. And they're not talking and communicating. And you're getting all these notification tones. And the notification tones are the notification tones that they got. So it's really important that it was authentic to them. So you've got your discord. You've got, oh. I'm now going to show you my 50 year old age, all the notifications, you've got your Snapchat, you've got your, yeah, all of those things, you'll know them, I won't, I could play them to you. Um, and that works behind exactly where they're moving. It's loud electronic music, all the kids coming in from everywhere. And I got them moving in from everywhere. I got them coming from the audience. I've got them coming from all these different places that you could imagine. Um, and they're just taking over the stage. And this is the music which you can hear behind it. And then the last actor comes in. So we've got 60 actors. No one is talking to each other. No one is looking at each other. They're absorbed in this world and their phone. And then one actor comes in and they're so absorbed in what's going on, they are not paying attention to where they move. And so what happens is that they knock into the power pole. And you can hear that in the sound effect because everything's starting to speed up and the fairy lights flash and then everything goes out. You can hear that in the explosion. And the students are completely snapped into a different world. And so there's this huge, complete contrast in what's happening. And they've got that chorus work of what? No, it can't be. No service. And they completely lose their minds as they scream and are all over the place. And there's always the counterpoint. So in all of those scenes, there's one student who only has a book and everyone's gone off stage. And the other student looks up and goes, hey, where'd they go? Welcome to my reality. So that's the repetition of the highlight of the name as well. The contrast and the counterpoint was quite important. 
Um, and I hope that this started to signal that it wasn't going to be a narrative plot-driven structure and that it was going to be the vignette play. And then you're working into the students who are acknowledging that it is a play and kids texting on their phones. And so we switch between really physical and really chorus-based work into dialogue. So you've got this, again, counterpoint or contrast or juxtaposition, which I thought was quite important. It is quite jarring. And we were aware that sometimes vignette plays can be really jarring for an audience's point of view. And so to work through that, we're trying to put in some music as well and perhaps some scenes that don't have a lot of dialogue. So sometimes we want to rely on showing rather than telling. We had the Mistbuster scene that comes up next, and we love this because it's a cultural reference from the students, but they also like using the cultural reference of Grammarly. So you'll, the ad that they know comes up onto everything on their phones, and so you've got that happening as well. We love the explosion and the removal, but we worked with the kids being, you know, not being as upset as perhaps the adults thought they were going to be. So highlighting that, you know, we can survive without our devices, sort of. Um, the kids are all multi-rolling and they play completely different roles all the way through. One thing I really like is the ring ring sections is when they're working with that old phone because it comes to my attention that whereas I understand what a rotary phone is, when I put it in front of my class, they didn't. And so we had the repetition of that scene and then dealing with it in different ways. Um, and that's a lovely scene because when it keeps coming back as an audience, it's not as jarring because you understand where it's heading. So the purpose of this is to keep things moving. Um, the love scenes with the beautiful music from Up is really... There's no sound other than the music and everything's just done with the talking of the, um, of, of the movement of the students. And you'll see that there's two iterations of this and one is gay and one's hetero, which again comes completely from the students because they wanted to be able to show their world. And their world is very much non-binary. It's very much not um, one and another, X and Y. It's that covers all iterations of that. And the fact that they feel confident enough to show it is wonderful. And it's really important for me that these two scenes are both beautiful but both treated with exactly the same respect. And they are identical except for the genders of the actors, which shows that we see love as nothing different. Love is love, it doesn't matter. And that was really important to me as a director. So you'll see that they are carbon copies and they're both absolutely beautiful, but with different genders involved. And this is where you have the fairy lights coming back in because it's a moment of connection. Um, working through with them any kids who had multi-role it was important for them to be able to be different in some way so that was maybe either costume or their voice work um, and so that was for the students to work out themselves so hopefully there was no confusion but because all the scenes are quite different and they're signaled by different lights and they don't by the time you start to see the students again you're not expecting to link them as a certain character working through I think it becomes easier on the audience that way. Um, I love the dialogue in the scenes for the students who are with their counsellor, who 
can't talk to face to face and how how horrific it is for them to have to be talked face to face because they're used to being on their phones that's beautiful dialogue and has how the adults trying to coach them to communicate in a way that the adult think is thinks is the normal way to communicate but you know maybe it's not anymore maybe it's the adults who are behind the time but that's a beautiful scene when you see how the students have a completely different idea to the counselor we have lots of repetition and the idea of um, playing with puns and words so for example in the sliding into your dms it was really important to us that we didn't give it away straight away so you've got the boy luke um, going to the girls and the sound effect so again it's not talking it's actually doing and it's almost like as soon as you understand it you're in on the joke so it's releasing something slowly and it's a joke that would be found and understood a lot quicker by teenagers than it would have been by the the parents in the audience because they're what's the sliding into your dms but it's the idea of physicalizing something that happens online um when we move into the idea of using music to create a characterization so you've got the idea of um oh no which is a really well-known TikTok song and it's the idea of losing your phone um and that's something that we're all really aware of that time when you think you had it in your back pocket and all of a sudden it's not there where is it so it's again it's playful it's playing on these ideas but it, and it's also taking the piss just a little bit but it's using all these cultural markers which are important cultural markers from the students who had big input in the writing of it because and i keep saying this ad nauseum but it's their story it's their voice and that's what makes it so powerful um again we've got different um connections in regards to using of ringtones so you have lots of different ringtones and the idea that ringtones can signal something about you and so the kids ringtones are cool but when you get to the ringtone of the teacher because there's lots of different ringtones in it but then you've got the ringtone of the teacher and that's just like crazy it's like the old school one so the idea of showing characterization through what your phone ringtone says about you and that's even said in one of the scenes when they're saying it takes a special sort of person to use acoustic you know what does your phone do what does it show about you and you start to consider things in a different way when those ringtones start coming up and that's why the chad you're so hot actually it's better if i don't do it it's probably it's better if i chad you're so hot chad you're so hot comes in and that makes it even funnier so things do work through um there is repetition and there is referencing back which is quite nice so the service scene where the class runs all over each other and tries to lift their hands up high to try and get the service again it alludes to the first scene so you get that idea um the news scene was really important that it reflected everybody in the class and they were able to bring their own work to it and what they've done is the convention we used is we have the news article. So the news says a newly discovered virus has broken out and is spreading rapidly. Scientists are calling it the phonronavirus, and the symptoms include bad posture, antisocial tendencies, blurry eyes and moodiness. The patient is most likely to withdraw from family members and friends. Shops are being closed and people all over the world are panicked. 
stay safe, stay off your phones and go outside. But it's split into all the different um, languages of the classroom and of New Zealand. So it's really showing that we are ridiculously multicultural. It was important to me when I directed it that we had to start with English. So we got an understanding of what's going on. And then the second language we used is Te Reo. So it's really great that Te Reo is in there. Um, right up the front and really, really visible by one of our Te Reo students and our speakers in our class. And you also see that there's sign language coming in there, which is quite interesting because it now has a really strong cultural visual imagery because it's something we're used to seeing when we are listening to those um, one o'clock press conferences. We're used to those sign language now. They also got the reference to Karen in that section. So it's lots of dropping in of cultural references. Um, there's references to the idea of I've split big long scenes into small sections. So rather than giving one student a huge big monologue on their own, I've broken it up. Now I broke it up because they're young actors and I didn't want to freak them out. But also it means that it speaks to the universality of the experience. So it doesn't just have to be one person. So you see that in the ace girl scene where they're talking about their boyfriend texting them have good day and bemoaning about the loss of the English language. And so it could, shows that it could happen to anyone. So not only is it a functional choice for the actors, it also means that the multi-role shows that the characters could happen to anybody. Um, we move through and we've got an outside scene, which is just taking the piss about a student who's outside. And that's taken from the point of view of a parent. But also I really like the idea of the funeral and the breaking of the phone and that we've all seen that or experienced that when you drop your phone and oh my goodness, it's so expensive and it, you know, the loss and the, ah, my angry birds are saved. So the idea of a phone leaving you, but then you get over it and you get back on because you want to get the next one. So whereas they're ridiculously important to us, they're also ex exceptionally disposable because we're, we need, I wanted to show how, you know, there's that needful thing of wanting the, the biggest, best, newest phones. Um, there was an idea of having a battle between Android and iPhone, but we never quite managed to script it effectively enough. But you'll see that there is some references to iPhone and Android in that scene. Um, moving through, we make sure that we um, manipulate focus by the use of the staging and by the use of the lights. Um, sometimes focus and focal points is really hard especially when you have a huge amount of students on stage and so there are some scenes which are a lot smaller or some scenes that i've directed and manipulated so your eyes are on one thing rather than anything else um, the symbol one thing with the symbol is the symbol of connectivity and you'll see that that came through with my idea of the flashing lights and i like that it shows that connectivity doesn't just mean to the internet because that seems to be when i say are you connected we now think that are you connected means are we connected to wi-fi but actually it can mean connected to your whakapapa or your turanga waiwai or your friends or your family or being in the moment and so there is a subtle symbol of that with the connection in the love scenes it might be a little bit subtle but now i've told you about it you might be able to write about it um I'm trying to think about the conventions that we use throughout it. There is um, physical theatre, there is mime, there is song, 
there is um, lots of dialogue, there's multi-role, there's the idea of the verbatim, and let's get into the convention of the verbatim, um, and how they move through and walk around and then speak to the audience and they speak the lines as they were received. And that's great because that is the real authentic voice. And I'm pretty sure I'm gun on ad nauseum about real and authentic voices. Um, and the repetition of the scenes. Oh, the ending starts exactly the same as the beginning, except the music track doesn't have the overlay of the notifications. And um, when the lights go back on, then the notifications start and you have the idea of them losing themselves again. And then when the ball's seen and they go, hey, anyone want to play football? They all of a sudden realize that there are more things that they can do. And you can see that the lights stay on because they have connections. They have two forms of connections. And I think that repetition shows us that there are many ways of working through things. Um, things don't just have to be in a vacuum and we can do and be everything. And the final repetition is that final line again which is again, the girl with the book. And she says, um, where'd they go? And then she says, enjoy reality, which is the final thing. And so there's the idea that it's almost like a call to arms, a, a call to, you know what? There is a balance in everything. You know, there's the yin and there's the yang. And perhaps that's the message. Nothing is all good and nothing is all bad, but make sure that you stay connected connected in both ways. I think that's what we tried to do. I think I haven't bored you too long and I hope you enjoyed it. Working with year nines can be a little bit like um, herding cats, but I hope that they feel really proud of themselves. Some of the actors have done heaps of acting before and some of them have never done anything. So the bravery that they showed of being on stage and allowing themselves to do things outside of their comfort zone should always be applauded. And I think they should be really proud of the work they've achieved. Now the play itself, has been really successful and has been used at this point in time by other schools as well for not necessarily year nines. I know that some schools are using it for year tens and some are using it for year elevens. So there is depth and thought in there and hopefully it tells a little bit about the life of a young teenager in 2021.